This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Young people from around Otatahi came together to express their ideas for a better world in Speaking for the Planet, a public speaking competition which was recorded at Turanga on the 11th of August. Thank you to all the speakers and sponsorship partners who supported this event. This is part one of three parts. To hear the rest of the speeches, go to the Plains FM website and search for Community Talks. This is the fifth year that Speaking for the Planet has been held in Ōtautahi. Super exciting. We, uh, as you may have picked up, my name is Poppy. This is Lucia. We'll be your MCs for today. Uh, we would like to acknowledge the mana whenua here in Ōtautahi, Ngai Tua for their forever connection to the whenua and te taio and the wonderful knowledge they hold Welcome everyone, this is my first time emceeing. This is Lucia, does a bunch of amazing stuff for School Strike for Climate. We are a little bit nervous, but we're very excited to be here. I'm shaking a little bit. Delighted to have you all here. Super excited to hear all your incredible, incredible speeches, to see all of your amazing artwork. Make sure to go around in the breaks and take a look at all the incredible pieces that are around this beautiful space. Uh, And thank you to all the team that has supported this uh, event. Yes. Um, We would also like to acknowledge the amazing building, Tūrana, and the awesome staff who have let us hold this kaupapa here today. Um, So in saying that, welcome to Tūrana. Um, Yes, so thank you to the team for supporting, setting up, and hosting all of today's proceedings. Um, uh, thank you to our organising team of Colleen Billet, Dave Evans from Sustainable Autotahi Chicha, Jocelyn Papril from ECAN and NZAEE, and Claudia, who has been our social media whiz and schools liaison. A great thank you to everyone whose mind has gone into making this event possible. And welcome to all the students and all of the teachers who will be contributing to this event today. Alongside that, we would like to thank to our sponsors and financial supporters for this event. Without you guys, this couldn't be possible. So thank you to our supporters, ECAM. We couldn't run this competition without their support funding. Plains FM, the wonderful peer who has set up the recording gear and will again produce a podcast of the day. Write on School for Young Writers who provide workshops where students can hone their speech and poetry writing skills. And of course, Christchurch City Libraries for letting us share this amazing space. We also have a selection of prize sponsors, super exciting. Earth, Sea, Sky is an amazing outdoor clothing company and they have uh, provided our, generously provided our premier uh, prizes for the art and speech category. Super, super exciting. We'll be hearing from you in a minute. Uh, David has come to speak to us. Also to uh, Orana Wildlife Park, to Christchurch Enviro Hub, to Future Curious, to Natural Attraction, Antiques and Treasures, to Trees for Canterbury, to Remix Plastics. They have some beautiful, beautiful earrings, which I took a look at earlier. Make sure to go around and see them. 
to further foster. They create outdoor clothing gear for dogs as well as for humans. So for everyone here who has a dog who might be uh, really into tramping, into hiking, highly recommend taking a look at their stuff. It's very, very cute. Uh, and to all the other wonderful people, to Thunderpants who create organic clothing, organic underwear, lovely stuff, and to Benito Natural Foods, and of course the Eco Action Hub. Thank you to everyone who has put their effort into making this day possible. It is going to be incredible, and we're really, really excited to hear from everyone. All right, so um, our focus for today is on celebrating our natural world, the ecosystems that provide us with all that we need for life. It is Papatuanuku Gaia, Mother Earth, our home planet, that these young people today will be speaking up for. As we all know, there are many, many issues within environmentalism that desperately need to be spoken about and acted upon. And so, here is an environmental issue that was chosen to be spoken about this year. The theme of today's competition is Enough Already Consume With Care. This theme is inspired by the United Nations, who on the 5th of June every year recognise World Environment Day. This year's theme was hashtag BeatPlasticPollution, which reminded us of the impact our consumerous habits have had and continue to have on our beautiful planet. We are two years into the UN decade on ecosystem restoration, and now more than ever, we need to care better for this planet that gives us life. It is imperative we learn to live in harmony with nature and with each other, to go from exploiting nature to healing it, which we all know, and that is why we are all here today. We all have a part to play, by consuming with care and by always standing up for what we love, our environment, our earth, we play our part in creating a better future now and for all of those to come. And that is what we are all here to do today, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so looking forward to hearing all your speeches on enough already consumed with care. First up, we have Nicola Dupi. Speaking from Forest and Bird, you might know her from Critter of the Week, which is her show that she is, I think, every Friday. And you might have to correct me on this one, Nicola, but last Friday's uh, one was the New Zealand Earthworm, was it? The New Zealand Earthworm, the preferred food source for our lovely treasured kiwi, shoots glow-in-the-dark, uh, bioluminescent fluid out of its anus, out of its mouth, and out of all of its pores when threatened. So we have some lovely, lovely critters here, and we are so, so delighted to have you here to speak to us today. Nicola. Nicola is the Chief Executive of Forest and Bird this year, and has worked with Doc for many, many years. And uh, yeah, take it away. Uh, tina 
uh, and I used to be young once. Um, <laughs> thank you, Poppy and Lucia. Uh, I don't know why they were nervous. Um, they were very well prepared, and that is by far the best introduction I think I've ever had. <laughs> and the only one that's mentioned is anus. <laughs> uh, congratulations. It's now my favourite. You sit on my bar. Um, it's a real honour and, and a pleasure to be here uh, today. And um, you have already been here in this room and, and seeing you all and hearing about what you've been involved with today has already filled my cup. Uh, and I think that that is the beauty that um, young people bring to these wicked problems that we are trying to address. So I thought I'd just speak briefly um, about some of my experience of um, when I used to be a youth. I, uh, I try and convince the Forest and Bird youth team that I am a youth, or I'm at least youth adjacent, but they have soundly disabused me of that notion. Um, and, and just to um, kind of, you know, wish you all the best, not just for today, but to where I see you all going from here. Um, and I find it fascinating, you know, and I'm sure I will experience this uh, for as long as I'm here today, but, you know, when I'm watching a poppy or a lucia, I am projecting into the future and thinking, oh, what are they going to be? five years from now, ten years from now, and what is that going to look like and what difference are they making um, together with you all? So <clears throat> the other reason that I'm really excited to be here today, apart from the fact that I get to, I got to blag out of having to be in 5,000 Teams meetings, um, <laughs> is I worked out that about 29 and a half years ago, uh, I came to a, a meeting like this uh, or an event like this, where I received an Environment, Environment Canterbury Green Ager Award um, <clears throat> for work that I was doing in my school about, um, which was Rangiro right High School, um, about trying to raise awareness uh, of the, the issues we were facing, but actually getting out and doing stuff, all the kinds of things that I know you're, you're all involved with today. So um, I, I feel like, while I might be a bit older, I might be part of the club. Um, so I want to think, I just I want to talk a little bit um, about kind of where I what I see at the moment with respect to young people um, engaging in nature and you know and I've I've got a, a wee boy who's ten who thinks he's eighteen and he may or may not be have the same interest in nature that I do um, but I'm watching him and his peers kind of finding a way in the world and this this idea that. We do have some wicked problems at the moment. We we have, you know, New Zealand loves to be number one. Do you know that we are the number one, we have the highest proportion of threatened species per capita of any country in the world? That is not a particularly great honour for this country. And, um, that, you know, we are one of the, the biggest biodiversity hotspots in the world. We haven't looked after it. And a lot of the things that, that we've lost, we've lost quite recently, right? And... And that's kind of not fair, because you're inheriting a mess that, that we made, that our parents made, grandparents, whatever. And often I think we expect you guys to fix it. Uh, and I don't think that's right. So we all have a responsibility to support each other, and particularly to support young people who are inheriting a bit of a cluster uh, that we created, or had a role in creating. 
Um, and so one of the things that, that I suppose I worry about, partly because I'm a mum and, and partly because I, I have a big responsibility, for example, for the, um, the Forest and Bird Youth uh, within my organisation, is this, this feeling of the weight, the weight of responsibility that we feel and the weight of the, the, the things that have gone awry in the world. And, and sometimes I, I worry that we focus on that too much. And one of the things that I can't help is, um, partly because I'm immature, uh, maybe, I like to have a laugh. And I think sometimes when we work in the environment sector, or we were, we're working hard on conservation issues, there's an expectation that it all has to be very earnest, very serious. And, you know, we should be very worried about it. And we, get very, and we should be worried. Of course we should be worried. But what I don't want for you all is to miss the chance to see the joy find the joy in something every day. I guarantee uh, that I will wander back across to my office, which is actually just across the square, uh, and at some point today I'll make sure that I kind of take a little deviation past the river and I'll go and find an eel, you know? Or I might look at the papamon in, in the open river, the sport, because in getting over-consumed, I suppose, consumed, uh, by the weight of these environmental worries. Sometimes it burns us out and makes us feel completely overwhelmed, but sometimes we lose that joy. We lose the joy of finding an earthworm and learning that it shoots um, bioluminescent bio uh, liquids out of its various orifices. Uh, so my, my kind of my suggestion to you all is don't forget to find the joy and find the fun. There's so much fun stuff in this environmental um, sector that we that we choose to work in, that we choose to learn about, uh, and it's okay to have fun. When you are a little bit older and you end up working, and you might end up in an office, for example, uh, the system tells you that it's very, you know someone once told me that I couldn't possibly be working because I was laughing all the time. And that's just not true. I enjoy my work, I enjoy my colleagues, sometimes things are funny, sometimes ridiculous things happen. Uh, you know, I can think of a couple of things in the last week that are so ridiculous that have happened in my organisation, you could not make it up. And it's funny, like it's serious, but deal with it, some of it's a little bit funny, so don't miss out on the chance to find the fun. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is a great example of it, is find your community and hang on tight. You know, because the more that we are able to amplify our voice, and that's what you're all here to do today, right? Speaking up for the planet. You're trying to give something a voice that doesn't actually have a voice. But the more voices combined, the louder we can be, you know? And I felt really good about being asked to come and speak to this event today because what Forest and Strap Line is giving nature a voice. Well, it makes me really proud to be part of an organisation that we get up and we go to work every day to give nature a voice. And then to come to an event like this, where your entire focus is about giving the planet a voice. And I encourage you to use your voices loudly and collectively and make a racket. Um, the other thing I would say is when you're doing this, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot, and, and um, one or two of you may, may have heard me say this before, but in the environmental sector, because it's so overwhelming 
And it's really hard to engage with people or even keep yourself engaged, and that's for two reasons. So one thing that I try and do all the time is focus on hope. Because if you've got a sense of hope, you can encourage people to take action. But if we do what um, people in the environment sector tend to do, uh, one of two things, if we focus too hard on the good stuff, it's really hard to get people to care, right? So, um, you know, and I have been a perpetrator of that in my career. I can't tell you how many photos I have of me on the interweb somewhere of me cuddling a kiwi. But what does that mean? What does that mean uh, if we can't engage people with the fact that where there's no pest control in New Zealand, 19 out of 20 kiwi chicks don't make it to one year of age because they will be eaten by stoats, right? Um, so, but on the other hand, we just don't want to bum people out. Right? So I find it really hard hearing about climate change stuff and reading the news and finding out that, you know, Hawaii's on fire. And it's really hard without that sense of hope. So my, my um, advice, uh, if, if, if you're up for it, is to um, focus on hope and action and give yourself a chance for a little bit of fun and give, give yourself a chance for a breather as well. Um, sometimes it's in the natural world, <clears throat> sorry, in the working in the environment sector when you're trying to protect the natural world. And my staff do this, and when I worked in DOC, my staff did that too. You'll work 28 hours a day because you've got to save the things, right? But you're not giving yourself time to, I don't know, go down the creek and go fishing or go with your mates to the pub. I'm not sure any of you are legal. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you don't... You, you don't have to focus all of your attention and your life on this stuff because you've got to give yourself time to breathe and do the things that you like to do that fill your cup. So this morning, uh, one of the ways that I'm doing that is coming here. Um, recently, we had our Forest and Bird Centennial Conference, and one of the things that we've been doing in Forest and Bird is looking back over the last 100 years to understand who we are and who we were and where we're going. Uh, my favourite, and I'm not just saying this because one of the youth is in the room, uh, my favourite panel in that conference was the Rangatahi um, panel. So we had four, I think, youth leaders from, you know, not just from within Forest and Village, but from across the country, talking about issues <clears throat> that they wanted to address. My favourite part of that is, so I've now been working for... <clears throat> 20-something years, um, and in that, I've been working in a system. I've been working in a system that I grew up in. I went to university, and I studied within the system, and I learned the legal system, I learned the science system, and then I got into the workforce, and I'm working in the system, right? And our capitalist, neo neoliberalist, consumerist system, and I kick against it as much as I can, and I work my way through it, and I try and maverick it, and that's all I've ever known is the system. But what I heard the youth say was, the system sucks. The system isn't working for us. We don't like this system. It's not our system, and we just don't think we're going to have it anymore. And that blew my mind, right? It blew my mind that you could say, actually, you know what, we're the ones who are going to be the leaders, and as leaders of this country, we don't like this system, we're going to biff it. So I encourage you all to think about that, because you don't have to accept the system that we've been handed. You are the ones who get to make the decisions from this point. You're the ones who get to set the, set the agenda. You do not have to follow the agenda that's come before you. So uh, having been inspired by those young people who won't allow me to be considered a young person, uh, that would be my advice to you.
change the system, make a new one. This one isn't working for you. And I look forward to seeing what that looks like. A huge congratulations to you all for being here today. Um, <clears throat> and a massive kia kaha, kite korero um, for the rest of the day. And thank you for having me. Kia ora. Once you get closer to a Roman planet. 
Trees absorb an average of 20 kgs of carbon dioxide a year. So if there's an estimated 3.04 trillion trees, trees absorb over 60 trillion kgs of carbon dioxide a year. That's amazing. In conclusion, we need to stop deforestation. Because we lose animal homes every year, flooding's only going to get worse, and with climate change, who knows how much longer we'll have fresh air for. So, what about those 5,000 trees now? Gone. Cut down, just like that. We need to change this. Trees play a pivotal role in our lives. We need them more than anything. Let's make a difference. We can change this. so much water and it was such a good solution for flooding. So interesting and so important. Um, well done. Alright, next we have Millie Breen Macbeth from Heaton. Good luck Millie. Having a bench to the beach with your toes in the sand, taking to make sandwiches out of your plastic container. Or taking off the glad wrap that flies away and floats into the ocean. You all may be thinking, that's just one tiny piece of plastic. That's not going to do any harm. Well, really, you're wrong. Very, very wrong. I'm Millie, and on the bright side, we can stop this. But before I say how we can, I'm going to talk about how we are affecting all of the animals in our world. Not taking you all in their shoes. When we take a COVID test, no one likes to stop up in this, I mean, no one. But for turtles, it's worse. They get straws up their nose, and it won't come out unless it's forced. Plastic also gets stuck in their intestines and clogs them up. From all this happening, 1,000 turtles die a year. You may be thinking, that's only a little amount of turtles, it's fine. Well, really, you're wrong. Very, very wrong. Out of a whole batch of turtles from birth, only two survive into adulthood. I'm pretty sure everyone has choked on food by accident before. Well, imagine. Instead of food, it's plastic. Whales consume 95 pounds of plastic daily. That's four kgs heavier than a capybara, and that's the heaviest rodent in the entire world. Whales also get tangled. Fishing nets, and that's a fish, not whales. 300,000 whales die a year because of this. You may be thinking, it's not like they're going to go extinct anytime soon, it's fine. Well, really, you're wrong. Very, very wrong. Whenever we are hungry, we go into the pantry or the fridge and grab something to eat. Well, imagine having so much plastic around your household, you can't find any. Well, welcome to the life of crabs. Crabs lack food, and because of this, female crabs can't produce eggs. Not just that, but because they have no food, they starve. From all this amount of plastic in the world, 500,000 crabs die a year. That's half of a million! Now you may be thinking, crabs aren't that important. So it doesn't matter if they die to pollution or anything. Well, really, you're wrong. 
Very, very wrong. I've told you what happens to all of the animals because of pollution. Now I'm asking all of you, with your help, reduce the plastic you use so it will make a good change for our environment. Think about how much better it would be for everyone. Remember, their habitat is just like your household. So treat the ocean with care. And if you do that, then you're in the right. Very, very right. Thank you so much. I have no idea how many thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of animals die due to pollution, pollution in our oceans every year. Very, very right topics that you discussed in that speech. Thank you so much. I'm thinking of hope that Nicola, talk, Nicola spoke about. I remember a statistic from the US, I think, on uh, in Florida, the turtle population over there has had a peak in the amount, has, um, let me, let me think about the statistic before I say it, <laughs> but uh, they've, they've reached a new world high for the amount of recorded turtle nests on their beaches, and we're only halfway through the season, so that's really exciting and amazing speech. Steps to help beat plastic pollution. 
The government has set up laws and programs to help reduce plastic waste, like banning single-use plastics and an agreement to remove plastic from all government activities by 2025. <coughs> In New Zealand, several companies are making efforts to lower plastic usage. For instance, some businesses are changing to more environmentally friendly packaging materials, like glass, paper, and biodegradable plastics. There are a few programs working to cut down on plastic waste in New Zealand. For example, stuff like beach cleanups. New Zealand is making good efforts on reducing plastic pollution, and both the government and businesses are becoming more aware of the need to reduce plastic waste. We've talked about why it's so important to stop plastic waste, how governments and businesses are helping, and what can we do to help stop plastic waste? To point out the obvious, we can help stop plastic waste by making small changes in our daily lives. We can help reduce plastic waste by using reusable bottles like metal ones instead of single-use plastic ones, reusable bags when going to the grocery, and reusable containers instead of disposable ones. This may seem like a small change, but it can really make a huge difference. Another way is that we can recycle and properly dispose of our plastics to keep them out of waterways and landfills. We can support companies that use sustainable packaging, and we can help it by supporting more businesses that use eco-friendly materials for their products. By choosing to shop at these businesses, we can show that we care about our environment and want to reduce plastic waste. Reducing plastic waste is something we can all help do, and it's up to us to take action, because as the ones that once said, I know it may seem small and insignificant, but it's not about what it is, it's about what it can become, so let's all do our part to help reduce plastic waste, because no one can do everything, but everyone can do something to protect our planet for all generations to come. Fantastic. I love that the Lorax has come up multiple times already and we're into the first like 40 minutes. So uh, that's this job. Keeping in mind with all the ways that you can reuse plastics, everyone take a look at uh, remix plastics down the back and all their gorgeous, gorgeous earrings and other things. Uh, they take plastic from ice cream containers, from all these different uh, ways that we generate plastic and turn them into beautiful artworks. So. Thank you, Oyana. And now we are going to have Isabella come up from Sumner School to talk to us. Hi, this is Isabella Hunt, and today I'm going to talk about organic farming versus large scale conventional farming and solutions. Most people know small scale organic farming is better for the environment than large scale conventional farming. For example, Organic farmers use mineral pesticides, fertilizers, and fungicides, which report optimal soil health and clean water waste. Organic farming also supports biodiversity. Biodiversity refers to the number and varieties of species of plants and animals within a region. Biodiversity is essential to survival for all living things. For example, if you have only one kind of plant and disease comes, all the plants die, and there is no food for insects, people, or animals. However, if you have biodiverse crops and disease crops, only one type of crop will die, and the rest will survive to sustain people, insects, and animals. You may not know, but organic farming, as opposed to conventional farming, has been shown for human and animal health. For example, it reduces allergy diseases, 
by supporting a strong immune system and also reduces the risk of obesity. Furthermore, pesticides and conventional farming have been shown to create adverse effects on physical development and brain function in humans and animals. If organic farming is so sustainable and great for the soil, plants and animals, why is it not more common? One reason may have to do with how much organic farmers are getting paid by supermarkets. For example, what do you think an organic farmer in Canterbury gets per kilogram of carrots? I'll give you some hints. The kilogram of carrots costs $10.50 at the supermarket. Also, the farmer is responsible for packaging, paying and certification costs and delivering the carrots to the supermarket. Any guesses? Does $5 seem fair? What about $2? Do you think the farmer should get $2 for a 1 kilogram of carrots? Is that enough? The farmer gets 68 cents for 1 kilogram of carrots. This is a horrific 1,444% markup. No wonder organic food is so expensive, but it's not the farmer making the profit. Perhaps it's time to leave the supermarket out of the equation until they start paying organic farmers fairly. One way to do this is to is to support organic farming by purchasing directly from the farm. My family and many of my friends have done just that. One friend had a lot of land, so we offered it to a farmer, who then started a biodynamic farm. We then created a system where everyone commits to $30 in produce. That way, the farmer had a steady income and we had fresh organic food. One fresh organic food. The farmer then can plan the year with different varieties of food that people like and not worry about supermarket prices. It's a win-win. I encourage you to do the same. Who else was shocked at that? Oh my goodness, 68 cents for a $10 bag of carrots. And especially when we're in the midst of this, like, you go to the supermarket, everything costs so much. That is a shocking, shocking, shocking statistic. Uh, thank you so much, Isabella, for sharing that with us. Yes, well done, Isabella. Um, also, we would just like to shout out EnviroHub, um, who, have sponsored, who have sponsored some of our prizes for our art category. Um, yes, EnviroHub has been working with Creative Jug as well. Sorry, I'm just reading on these notes, but it's very exciting stuff. Let's go check out those. We will see those prizes soon. Later. Cool. Amazing. Okay. I don't mind. Not to do that very well. <laughs> okay. Next up, last of this category, we have Thomas Rankin. Two. Second. Thomas and Noah. Noah Lee. Oh, okay. We have Thomas Rankin from Newton. <laughs> Imagine this, the year is 2048, you live by the seaside. For generations, your ancestors have fished here and made a living for it. You let out your nets, but now all there is is water, your nets are empty. Well, this situation could happen soon if we don't do anything about overfishing. Today, I will tell you how only 2% of our oceans are protected, how fishing boats are hauling in far too much of our sea life, Foots to coral roots, and how we can stop overfishing before the sea runs out of food. <coughs> yes, you heard me right. Only 2% of our oceans are protected. 
that's smaller than the size of the USA, which demonstrates just how big our oceans are. That means that 98% of our oceans are accessible for people to go boating, fishing, and illegally dumping. Conservationists' goals are to protect 30% of our oceans by 2030. They call it 3030. Greenpeace suggests that we can help by banning bottom trawling. That's when you drag a wage net across the sea floor, picking up anything in your way, and sign petitions restricting techniques that damage wildlife. Now, let's talk about fishing boats. Did you know that some fishing boats can hold up to 500 tons of fish in their nets? That's the weight of 13 jumbo jets, and that's only for catching fish. If we continue at this rate, there will be no fish net before 2050. That means it won't be fighting like fish and chips, it will be fighting like chips, which just doesn't have to say glue to We can help by choosing certified sustainable seafood, sharing real news about this, and encouraging the next generation to think and act sustainably. You've seen those colourful, magnificent rainbow coral roofs in the Finding Nemo, right? Did you know that if you use net, did you know that if you use traps of coral roofs, the snoops have four fish that eat the algae ecosystem? Also, some nets scoop up younger fish that don't have time to reproduce, meaning the reef would run out of fish to sustain it. We can help by not taking fish that we don't need, not releasing unwanted fish into the wild, how exotic fish thrive, and educating ourselves with the local guidelines. I hope today I've made you think about how rich seas and how much we I also hope I've made you think about this problem because I, for one, would quite like to continue Friday night fishing chips for many years to come. <laughs> Job um, and it, right at the beginning of your speech, you said that two percent of the world's oceans are protected. That statistic always shocks me, really, because the ocean is the majority of our planet and it is a beautiful space. It is the home for many, and we need to be protecting it. For so many years, it was a dumping ground. So. I'm really overjoyed to hear how many of these speeches are focusing on the importance of the ocean. And now we have Noah Leaf coming up to speak. He thought he was in year eight, but he's in year seven. So, <laughs> come on, Noah. Computers, plastic. Food waste, plastic. Bins. Plastic. Furniture. Plastic. Everywhere you look. Plastic. If we had a detector for plastic, all we'd be hearing is beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Worldwide, we consume too much plastic. We use it so much because it's convenient. That plastic is made to last. It can last up to 500 years. The fact that it lasts so long is why it is such a big pollution problem. Just because plastic is convenient does not mean it's the right thing to use. Another concern with plastic is microplastics. Microplastics are tiny little bits of plastic that you cannot see. They are created and made by washing plastics. Even the clothes you're wearing right now contain plastic. When you wash your clothes, 
these tiny little bits of plastic come out, and these tiny bits are bad for sea creatures and humans. For humans, too many of these plastic particles can cause cancers. It has been proven that humans consume up to 500 particles a day. On the other hand, these particles can cause death in sea animals. Many animals have been found in plastic in their stomachs. We must stop consuming plastic now. Have you heard about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? It's a humongous patch in the ocean where rubbish collects and ends up in oceans, seas and other large bodies of water, specifically in the North Pacific Ocean. It is so big that it is three times the size of France. France is more than double the size of New Zealand in land. One solution to this plastic pollution problem is the ocean cleanup. The ocean cleanup is a project that aims to clean our waters. These garbage patches move from time to time, so the people at Ocean Cleanup have created a trap. First, they predict where the rubbish will go. Next, they catch the rubbish, clean the rubbish, recycle the rubbish, and then repeat. The biggest and easiest solution that you can do right now is to buy and use fewer and fewer plastic products. Did you know that 1.5 billion plastic bottles are used in just one day? Stop buying plastic bottles. Think carefully the next time you visit stores like Kmart and buy sustainable items instead. Plastic is convenient, but it is not good for the environment. Plastic causes the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Plastic harms people and animals. We can use less. What can you do to stop that plastic protector from going big, big, big? <laughs> Thanks for listening to Speaking for the Planet. If you want to hear the rest of the speeches from the competition, go to the Plains FM website, that's plainsfm.org.nz, and look for Community Talks, where you can find all of the recordings from this event. Congratulations to all the speakers who took part in the competition and to the sponsors and funders who made Speaking for the Planet possible. Mm-hmm.